Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Nick Batsik, with wisdom from the Bible and using social media. So I'm not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control in how I'm speaking and how I'm responding to things? Because that really becomes an example to others around us. And in that sense, we are, and I believe we are called by God to live out a Christian life in order to be a blessing to others and to build them up, and we do that with how we, we respond, especially publicly. Nick Batsig, next. Social media enables users to make lightning-fast responses to stories they see on their news feeds. Unfortunately, sometimes the information is less credible, but the damage is done. Presbyterian pastor Nick Batsik would like to see our social media use governed by biblical wisdom. He wrote the piece, Let's Make Wisdom Great Again, for the Reformation 21 blog, which he edits. He was the organizing pastor of New Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. Pastor Batsik, what prompted this particular piece? Well, I have been concerned for many years about the way that um, we so quickly receive information. You know, we live in a technological society with social media, everything's fast, and um, uh, so many of us don't take time to process and to think through what we're hearing. And I think on many occasions, it's become clear over the last certainly 10 years that as Stories come out and people jump on stories and circulate and numbers grow about a story, um, that it, it always doesn't become clear that we actually know what really happened. I certainly don't want to go down the route of sort of uh, just talking fake news and, and reducing it to that, but um, my concern is that we often talk about things that we're, we're not very informed on and maybe we shouldn't even be receiving or talking about because it's it's really irrelevant to us or we we wouldn't be able to have all the facts um, and and we, we're just very quick to rush to judgment and I think the Bible has a great deal to, to say about that and to warn about that. Your piece, of course, uh, grew out of, it was in response to the situation with students with Covington High School in Kentucky, uh, something which happened in Washington, D.C. Some people may know the story. Others may not be familiar with it at all. I'm wondering if you could give us a a recap of that situation and uh, what happened, what concerned you. Sure. Several weeks ago, I think it was on a Sunday, maybe two or three Sundays ago, um, a story had come out and gained very, very quick traction. I think I first saw it on maybe CNN or Fox News about uh, the group of students who were attending a pro-life rally, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, in D.C., and they had the video that was circulating was of the boy, I think his name is Nick Sandeman, the student who was standing in front of the Indian chief um, who was beating the drum and sort of what appeared to be smirking and maybe even inciting him mm-hmm. might be the, the first... Uh, First conclusion, someone might draw, and people did draw. And as the story unfolded, it came. It became very clear that what we were seeing was just a soundbite of the actual video, and that what gained a lot of traction uh, through Twitter and through one fake Twitter account who had doctored the video, essentially, and who had selectively pitched a story that these students were bigots and that they had, um, they had incited this Indian chief and, um, and, and, 
they were all wearing Make America Great Again hats, and so that just fueled, obviously, the vitriol. And and then it became very clear uh, within a week or a week and a half that the story had actually been fabricated and it wasn't accurate at all. So that's the general gist of it. And, and when it was initially, uh, well, I don't know if reported is the right way to put it, but as you say, a blogger outside of the U.S. picked this up and spread this uh, on Twitter, as I understand it, the responses were by non-believer and believer alike. I think even the kids' own high school uh, condemned them. Yeah, they, they received a swift condemnation um, and and across the board. They, they were, what I like to say is they were um, tried and convicted and sentenced in Twitter court and, and on the media. And, you know, the court of public opinion is the worst court that you could ever be tried in, and yet it seems to be the court that most of us have uh, given legitimacy and uh, credence to versus civil courts and ecclesiastical courts, which are really the only courts God has ordained. To the credit of some of the news media, they did uh, speak with the student and got his perspective, as well as the the Native American leader who was beating the drum in front of the young man. Were there any apologies uh, by the news media? Did anybody say, we spoke too quickly here, or did people just kind of move on? There were a few exonerations, I might might say, from public media sources. I, I believe the Washington Post first ran a story that I linked to in the article I wrote where they explained how quickly someone's reputation um, is ruined and how quickly we can ruin people's reputations with slander, falsification, mm-hmm. um, defamation of character based on faulty assumptions and, and then statements. And then I think there was an article actually that CNN published where they they also um, backpedaled and, and said, actually, we didn't have all the facts. So, And there were those things. And then in Twitter, there were those things. I did notice that the boy who has been singled out, Nick, he um, was interviewed by a prominent female uh, anchor, and I can't remember who she is, but that was quite a tense interview because she essentially had the facts at that point, but still wanted to ask him, well, do you feel guilty about what you did? Do you feel that you were wrong to just stand there? And so even after the facts came out, and it was clear that they had not done what they were being said to have done, um, there was still there was still no real strong apology issue to them that I that I saw. Mm. So, what damage was done, as you say, to their reputation? And I want to get into the biblical principles, but just kind of laying out the consequences for this kind of—I think you called it—collective outrage, jumping on the bandwagon uh, of condemnation because of something that was put on social media on Twitter, and then the damage which was done to the students, and then even their families in the school. Yes, you know, I believe that we we do not give enough thought to um, the harm of slander or any any violation of the Ninth Commandment, not to bear false witness against our neighbor. And we tend to think there are great consequences for adultery, for murder, for uh, theft, for any number of other um, large-scale crimes, certainly violations of God's moral law, but but slander is particularly damaging, and the Bible has a great deal to say about that. And, you know, I'm not sure that you can ever fully recover when you've been falsely accused on a global scale. 
there may be some sense where these boys will obviously go on to live their lives. They're not ruined, but the damage is done, and it's far and wide, and, you know, they've had death threats, I know. Their families have had death threats. Like you said, they were threatened, I think, to be expelled, and maybe that's not correct, but there was some sort of disciplinary action that even their high school had initially taken. They really became the objects of a lot of unjust consequences of, of slander. Well, my guest today on His People is Pastor Nick Batsik. We're talking about a piece that he wrote for uh, Reformation 21. It's a blog of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. His article is Let's Make Wisdom Great Again. It's about using social media in a God-glorifying way. And thank you, Pastor Batsik, for setting up uh, this discussion and the the incident uh, which went viral, I suppose you could say, across social media involving the, the high school students and that uh, Native American leader banging the drum uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., and, and you say this is really, all of this is an example of our dire need to learn to put the Proverbs into practice, and I know we there are numerous ones, but why do you go to the Proverbs? How, how do they help us uh, address the situation? I believe that the, the Proverbs are God's covenantal wisdom for His people, for believers. Don't think that they're just general wisdom principles like the Code of Hammurabi. Um, I think that they're supposed to be understood, especially in light of the Gospel and uh, who Christ is, what He's done for us, how He's redeemed us, how He is God's wisdom. And and so the Proverbs, they, they are reflections of the wisdom of God in Christ to be lived out by believers. So while there's a sense where all people are held to the same standard, because we're all made in God's image and we all live in God's world, there's another sense in which uh, God's people are held to a higher standard, because we are those who are supposed to listen to the wisdom of God, and by faith in Christ, by God's grace, we're supposed to be putting that wisdom into practice in our lives. And the Proverbs are so full of all the contours of wisdom. I had a friend who mentored me when I was uh, very young, and he said the Proverbs are sort of the echo board of wisdom that run all the way through Scripture and then out into every circumstance of life. And so I believe that God requires us to try to implement those and to labor to implement those in our in our interactions, and in our day-in-and-day-out interactions, and especially when it comes to uh, issues of uh, receiving reports about people, speaking about people, when to speak, when not to speak, how to speak, when to engage an issue, when not to engage an issue. The Proverbs really are just a, a complete uh, divinely inspired manual for us to use. So I think that that's, that's really what I wanted to get at in the article as, as I let in. As you say, uh, based on wisdom principles uh, from Proverbs, there are a number of questions we should ask when confronted by such a social media story. And one of those questions is, do we have all the facts? And I'm wondering if you could sort of unpack that for us. And, and how do we know if we have all the facts? Yes, there are there are numerous proverbs, and I won't cite the references, though I've, I've listed a lot of those in that article. There are numerous proverbs that tell us um, that we ought to be essentially slow to make judgments, mm-hmm. that we shouldn't be hasty. I think one of the proverbs say, says, uh, a fool believes every word. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is foolish if we just receive things and believe them. There's another proverb, and I cite that in the article as well, that um, 
uh, each one who pleads his case seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. So anyone can say anything about anyone, and, and yet that doesn't make it true. And so God demands that um, things, if they need to be investigated, they should be investigated. The care should be in, involved in that. And how we speak then and what judgments we discern um, or judgments we make need to be guided by the wisdom of the Proverbs and God's Word. Perhaps it's less today than ever before, but don't people typically tend to take the word of the news media or social media, kind of take it on face value often? Yes, I think we almost have we almost have an authority issue. So, you know, I happen to pastor uh, in a denomination that is Reformed Presbyterian. We hold to the, the tenets of the Reformation, and we, we place the highest possible um, uh, value on the sole authority of God's Word, that God's Word uh, gives us everything necessary for life and godliness, that while it doesn't speak directly to everything, it speaks authoritatively, at least indirectly, to everything, and that we need God's Word to guide us and to be our standard of authority. What I think has happened in recent years, and I don't say this in the article, is that we've sort of allowed these competing authorities so that news sources, Twitter feeds, again, the court of public opinion, mm-hmm. uh, what is perceived justice, what is perceived injustice, what what should we value and what should we fight for and what should we fight against, are, are it seems in many respects, determined more by what society is saying, especially through media sources, than from God's Word um, as the lens by which we we read all of our experiences in society. So I don't know if that's helpful, but I, I do think you have a competing authority structure. Another of these questions to ask, you suggest, when confronted by something like this on a social media feed, is have both sides had the opportunity to speak. And that takes a certain amount of discernment. I mean, to even ask that as we see something that is as inflammatory as what this incident that you described earlier seemingly was. Yes, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest matters that we have to come to terms with is that I'm not sure we have adequately asked the question, is this something on which I need to speak? Um, I think often of two examples in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus, where in one case, a brother comes to him and he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, who made me an arbiter and a judge over you? So here's a case where Jesus doesn't engage this man's um, seeming injustice issue. And it may be because Christ knows, well, that's a matter of the courts, and I'm not here to legislate in that way. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus goes on and he says to everyone around in that context, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he has. So instead of engaging this issue that's brought to him, he speaks to a greater matter um, for the heart of that man and those that are listening. The other issue that's brought to Jesus, and this may be a little bit more appropriate to the media situation, um, so a report comes to Jesus from several people in Luke 13 that uh, Pilate has been mingling the blood of some of the Galileans with pig's blood. He's, um, he's really doing a, a defiling act according to God's law, and very wicked act. And, and they're, they're coming to Jesus, wanting him to pick up this story, as it were, and respond to it. And Jesus instead relates 
to uh, the Tower of Siloam that fell on the 18, and then he turns and he says um, that everyone will likewise perish unless they repent. So he doesn't enter into the sort of uh, contemporaneous uh, conversation, the news media of his day, as it were, but he's always going to the spiritual issues. And I think there's, there's a big lesson there for us. Um, I think also we don't need to speak to every issue. There are so many things that are over my pay grade. David said, I don't concern myself with matters too great for me. There's just a whole lot that I don't need to weigh in on because it doesn't directly apply to me. I'm not a witness. It doesn't impact my life. Um, I don't lend anything to the discussion. I don't have enough facts. And I think those are things that we really have to think about as well. And in terms of the um, issue of have both sides had an opportunity to speak, I, I don't know where it is in the Proverbs, but there's something that one person's view seems correct until you hear the other side of the matter. And in that respect, it wasn't until we heard from the student, Nick Sandman, uh, who was able to respond, and then all of a sudden you had a different, a completely different story. That's correct. Um, I, you know, I like, to, I like to put it this way. You would not want to be falsely accused of something. You would not want a, a accusation to circulate about you and for people to widely accept that without being given the opportunity to weigh in on that, to uh, bear witness to what you believe to be true about yourself in whatever situation that is. And so why would we not demand that of others? Why would we not demand that same principle of of everyone around us? Our court systems are supposed to be built on and are built on the principle of innocent until proven guilty. And so even in discussions that are not judicial, every matter um, is going to have different opinions. You know, I used to I used to joke about this that um, in in marriage counseling, there's a, there's an old saying. Um, there's always there's always three sides. There's his side, there's her side, and there's the truth. <laughs> and so if if a man came to me and and he was having marital issues and he said my wife's like this and she does this and she does this and I blindly side with him, that's foolish. Um, and if she came and she said, well, this is true and this is true, and I just finally side with her, that would be foolish. And so I think that we need to be very judicious and careful in, in wanting to allow all the facts of whatever pertinent issues might come out to, to come out. Jumping ahead uh, to the end of your article, let's make wisdom great again, and then I want to back up and, and touch on a couple of other points, but you said it does directly go to Jesus' words, famous saying, and a lot of people know it and may not even know who said it, but do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's right. Yeah, and that, that's what I was trying to intimate, that why would we do to others what we would never want them to do to us? And I, I you know, it's simple as the golden rule is, and we talk about it, I really believe that we don't we don't put it into practice in any way whatsoever as we ought, which is why we need a Savior, which is why we need to go back to Him when we failed, which is why we need to confess our sins, which is why we need to grow uh, in union with Christ in, in that. So, And a couple other points that you make in terms of uh, applying wisdom, biblical wisdom principles to social media news that we may read, or whether or not to respond, and they are, have I been motivated by a desire to glorify God in my response, and then am I truly seeking to better society by responding? Yes. You know, I've often thought about that. We we rush to 
jump on the bandwagon of collective opinions and uh, draw hasty judgments. And I don't think that we often think about how are my actions benefiting those around me. So if I respond uh, in silence, uh, and there's been a lot of discussions in recent years about injustice, and people say, well, silence is complicity, and if you're silent on this, then you're complicit. Not necessarily. You may actually be, you may actually be encouraging wisdom. The Proverbs say that uh, the wise man is slow to speak. James says that as well, that he who is, um, has understanding is, is slow to um, articulate his opinion. And so, and also how we speak. So I'm not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control in how I'm speaking and how I'm responding to things? Because that really becomes an example to others around us. And in that sense, we are, and I believe we are called by God to live out a Christian life in order to be a blessing to others and to build them up, and we do that with how we, we respond, especially publicly. And in terms of the, re- the response or in terms of the uh, consequences of our responses or any responses to what we see on social media or just in the news media in general, uh, there are consequences, and you raise this issue, you don't go into a lot of detail, but for a society or a culture that, that actually feeds on scandal and division and these kind of rush to judgment stories it has a trend line it's going somewhere yeah i think it was david brooks opinion piece maybe it was in the washington post where he said i I find it very hard to believe that i'm paraphrasing horribly because i'm not looking at this quote it is in that article but Mm -hmm. um he says i find it hard to believe that a society in which hate and you know um uh, this this acerbic quick harsh um, and I, I assume he's intimating judgmental culture on, of social media is occurring is going to is going to last very long. There, who would want to be in that because the damage is going to be so great, and it leaves people joyless. He said, and that that is true. It it fuels joylessness and mean spiritedness and um, and animosity, and so that's it's detrimental to society. The, the other thing I think I mentioned in the post is that Jesus also says for every idle word that men speak, we will give an account in the Day of Judgment. And so there are consequences for our words, not just in the here and now, but obviously on the Day of Judgment. Well, Pastor Nick Batsik, my guest today on His People, and he's written, Let's Make Wisdom Great Again. It's about using social media in a God-glorifying way. He wrote it for the Reformation 21 blog. And uh, as we come to nearing the conclusion of our discussion uh, today, Pastor Batsik, certainly social media particularly has gained the reputation for frequently being the purveyor of so-called fake news, spreading gossip and, and rumors. How would you suggest a, a believer of any age decide what social media uh, if any, to pay attention to or to use. Actually, I'm not convinced that everyone should be on social media. I do think that there's a place for it. I think that it, it is a, it's obviously a very uh, influential um, media source in that sense for the propagation of all kinds of information, not the least of which important is biblical truth. And I try to follow as many thoughtful uh, Christian theologians and pastors and then men and women who may be lay 
um, ministry, organizational ministry uh, employees or um, or directors, and so I limit who I follow because if you if you follow too many people, then you have a clutter of what you're seeing and reading, um, and so if if you can sort of filtrate everything into trustworthy, and that takes a lot of discernment. There's no sort of manual for that. Um, then then I I personally try to use it in filling my uh, social media feeds with things that I know will be of interest that will help me stay informed because it is important to be informed, but also people that are modeling, as I said earlier, you know, edifying, God-honoring, thoughtful things. To what extent, I suppose I should ask you personally, do you or do you recommend uh, people use the mainstream news media, whether it's on the left or on the right, but to try to perhaps go across the spectrum and try to gather at least different perspectives from credible news sources to uh, to check our social media news feeds? Very important. It's also a very hard subject. I, I try to do what you just said. I I try not to limit myself to one uh, particular polarized ideological news source. So I don't just read Fox News. Mm-hmm. I don't just read CNN. I don't just read the New York Times or the Washington Post or the BBC or um, MSNBC or any of these other um, media sources. And it's inevitable. I mean, we're, we you can't go into any restaurant without seeing news on, and, and you have one very biased, a news channel streaming in one restaurant or at one gym, and then you have another one in a different part of the country or a different side of town. And so I do think it's wise when there's a story that is of interest, important, and, and I think it's important for Christians to know what's going on, but but to try to patiently discern things. And, and you know, I don't think we should spend the majority of our time on uh, news websites or watching streaming 24-hour news, because I think oftentimes, too, we're, we're taking in needless information, and we really need to read our Bibles, and we need to read good theological works, and we need to be filling our minds with other literature and, and other things. So I think it needs to be done, again, judiciously. It needs to be done in a limited amount. I spend maybe 20 minutes a day looking at different news sources, so not, not a great deal of time. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Presbyterian Pastor Nick Batsik. His piece, Let's Make Wisdom Great Again, can be found at Reformation21.org.